0: This, this, this is a Tape Deck Podcast. Hey everybody, it's H, and welcome to the latest installment of Escape Hatch, your portal into cinematic pocket universes. This week, I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Jason. Beau <laughs> tasso
1: Wow, I... Is that, is that Dominican martial arts?
0: And due to a scheduling mishap, only Jason.
1: Yeah, I don't, I, and I, I also can't drive stick, so it's not super useful <laughs> for me. Yeah, I can't drive stick. We
0: cover William Frequent's greeting 80s crime drama to live and die in LA. If you enjoy the show, we need your help. Take a minute to leave us a five-star rating and a review wherever you listen to your podcast, or just tell your friends about us because it really does help new listeners find the show. We also have a Discord server where you can hang out with us online whenever you want and a Patreon where you can support us and unlock exclusive perks. Links are in the show notes. And now, without further ado, to live and die in LA. Well, Jason, it's always exciting podcasting because you never know what's going to happen. Yeah, baby.
1: I was just talking about in the pre-show that I don't like... Live events because I don't like the variability. Um, and it turns out, even when it's a recorded event, you can get very in your own home, in your own home, you get surprised at home. <sighs>
0: Oh man. Well, so so we were expecting this week to have our dear friend and showrunner of Veep and The White House Plumbers and the co-host of The Stuff Dreams are Made an amazing of, podcast. Dave Mandel. An
1: amazing podcast. People should listen to that pod.
0: It's an amazing podcast and I was so stoked when I saw that I had randomly scheduled for him to show up today, which was the day after the largest science fiction auction in history mm-hmm. in which he turned out to be an extremely active participant. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, understandably, he is completely crashed. Yeah. Uh, I just got <laughs> notification. He is in recovery yeah. mode, you know, probably, probably talking to his spouse yeah. and, you know, like figuring, figuring stuff out. Uh, so Dave, God, Godspeed. Godspeed you. We respect uh, it.
1: I respect the, the journey that he's on and he, he should take his time to recover from that. I was thinking about, I was thinking about, um, sort of the weekend that he had and, you know, I am I am a man of some means, but I am generally a tight ass when it comes to spending money on things, and sure. I have not come within an order of magnitude of the purchase price that he got you got involved uh, with on any of my hobbies, on any of them. Um I hope so. And I I just respect it. I respect that he's out there. Maybe, yeah, like with that, not even close. So he's he's doing it for all of us. He's doing it for you. He's doing it for me. And we look forward to hearing about just, his journey in the auctions the next time he's around.
0: Yeah, well, I have to give a shout out to the podcast. Um, obviously, we're big fans uh, of the stuff dreams are made of. And I listened to four episodes total about this auction, three kind of going item by item. And then a fourth one that was literally just the two of them trying to come with to come to grips uh, and to have a strategy for what they were going to mm-hmm. do. So I'm 10 hours in on listening I appreciate to how invested you are. about this auction. Yeah.
1: I appreciate that <laughs> Wait, your hobby isn't prop auctions but prop auction podcasts.
0: Yes, exactly.
1: <laughs>
0: Much cheaper. yeah exactly. those are free. <laughs> you, oh man. Oh, it was hilarious! Though I was watching, I did watch the X Wing auction live on my phone um, as it was going down, and it was like nothing I've ever seen. And so, um, yeah, cannot wait to to hear more of that story. And and we will get that in the fullness of time. I'm very
1: stoked to hear about it. I was not able to uh, watch the auction live because I was in the theater at Metria in the Mm. first third. As our as Mac, our guest last week suggested, for the optimal audio visual screening experience for
0: you were seeing the creator, obviously. Paw
1: Patrol 2, the Mighty, <laughs> um, which was Griffin's choice for the weekend. Paw
0: Patrol, the Mighty movie, yes, I believe yes, called. But yes. it's the second, mm-hmm.
1: it's the second Paw Patrol movie. Um, mm-hmm. and I think uh it was not very good. Um, And I have like mixed feelings about seeing like sort of, you know, like police militarization dog movies. Um, Right. But Griffin loved in particular the song uh, that plays at the end, which is, uh, it's called Down, uh, Gonna Get Down With That or Not Gonna Catch Us Down or something like that. And I noticed a key thing in this song, um, uh-huh. which is that there's a drum fill from this song, which sounds exactly like the drum fill that Dave Grohl lifted from the Gap Band for Smells Like Teen Spirit. I pulled so much stuff from the Gap Band and Cameo and Tony Thompson
2: on every one of those songs. All that. That's, wow. old. That's old disco.
1: That's all it is. <laughs> Whoa. Yeah. Unless I'm completely wrong, to be honest, because I haven't actually double checked that it's I was right. I'm just pretty sure I'm right. Um, so <laughs> if not, then this will only be for the unedited cut. And then you'll just delete well, all you this.
0: better send me the gap band. Send me the it's gap in band. The, I did. Uh, I sent it. I okay. Sent it. I sent, okay, I sent okay, you all the,
1: the source the reference material so you can produce that. All right. Very I'm gonna produce this. You're gonna shit produce out of that. The, this is what <laughs> we got this Paw Patrol. But another thing about, oh, Down Like That is the song by Bryson Tiller from Paw Patrol to The Mighty. Okay. Um, okay. The other detail that's notable about Paw Patrol to The Mighty or Paw Patrol, The Mighty Movie. The Mighty I Movie. I believe it's canonically known. <laughs> is that it rips off the plot device from Chronicle where the kids find an asteroid and right, right. get superpowers. Um, and that's what happens in this movie, is the puppies find an asteroid and get superpowers. Um, they basically- You're just getting caught up on they,
0: this? Like you're, you're not familiar with this already?
1: No, I didn't know that was a thing.
0: So this has been for like a year or two, they had a whole separate, um, paw patrol tv show called mighty pups oh. that was about them getting the asteroid oh. and getting the superpowers okay. and so this is doing the live sc- the live screen version oh of that. okay um,
1: okay all right right on screen. that's cool yeah we actually aren't a paw patrol family it's not like high on our list um but griff it's like uh, sam is sam is he's down. deep in sam is very deep, he's down like very that. down
0: with the Paw Patrol. um
1: mm-hmm. I I just wanted to support Griffin's love of going to the movies because it makes my life a lot better. And he's great. He loves it. He fucking loves going to the movies. He sits through the whole thing and like no bathroom break, doesn't move, watches the whole movie, eats all his snacks, is just stoked. It's just great. Um, you know what, you know what movie he would have loved? What's that? The creator. <laughs> I don't think he would have loved the creator. <laughs> I don't think he would have loved the creator. Um <laughs> But I tell you, there was like two people in Paw Patrol, the Mighty movie. Um, yes. but the Metreon was a swarm because the Taylor Swift movie was out. And like oh. 3 p.m. on a Sunday, people were wearing all of their outfits, all of their shirts. And like I had to I joined in line the AMC Stubbs thing. Because there was too much to get to to the snacks because it was going to be a meltdown if we didn't get snacks. And it it. was like a 40 minute line to get snacks. I was like, all right, we're now AMC Stub members. Welcome. (laughs)
0: Congrats. (sighs) Wow. Uh, That's incredible. Yeah, we were driving by the Fairfax Theater today and Sam was like, there's even a poster of Taylor Swift in front of the movie theater. Yeah. And we were like, yeah, there's a movie now. Yeah. Uh, She's everywhere. Yeah,
1: she's everywhere. Griffin doesn't know about that as much yet.
0: I'd like to actually see the movie.
1: Uh, I think it would be. Uh, Silly points out in chat. Out. It made a hundred million dollars at the box office, best ever performing concert film of all time. Taylor Swift is Jeez. a machine. I wish Taylor Swift yeah. spoke more to me. I w- I'm like kind of like uh, sort of envious that I'm like miss- missing out on this cultural moment because um, it's like so massive.
0: We're getting review bombed right now so hard for even thinking negative thoughts. I'm
1: not thoughts. thinking negative like thoughts. The, I'm, the one stars I'm are flowing I'm not thinking in. negative thoughts. I wouldn't dare. I'm not, I'm not gonna talk trash okay. about Taylor Swift on, on Taylor Swift's internet. I'm just saying like it, it she just it <laughs> just doesn't like it doesn't like you know delight me in the way that it does literally every other person on earth. And I'm grateful for them. Yeah. I just feel like it's sort of like if I wasn't, you know, if like you didn't like Game of Thrones or something like that. I just wasn't, you know, mm. into that. But anyway, I'm I don't want to talk mm. you're right. This is dangerous territory. Maybe cut this. Leave this for the uncut. <laughs> Listen, congratulations, Taylor. Congratulations, Taylor Swift.
0: H Industries backs you up all the way. Uh, so, all right. Well, so just want to just say uh, we're we're super excited tonight. Even though we don't have Dave, we're going to be talking about one of his all-time favorite films, which is one I've wanted to revisit for a really long time. And one I have is-
1: never seen. Seriously? Never seen.
0: Awesome. Well, this is William Friedkin's 1985 classic, police thriller to live and die in LA.
1: Mm. It's a good one. That's a good one.
0: It It's a good one. And we're going to get into it in just a minute. But next week, Jason, on part two of our two part, now part one of our one part <laughs> uh, collab. Trying to follow that. <laughs> the stuff dreams are made of. Uh, we welcome back Ryan
1: Ryan Condal, dug God.
0: Sixth appearance on the pod. He's hard at work uh, over in the Englands making stuff. Um, but we're really stoked to have him back. We're going to find out what he got up to during the Greg G wow, what happened to um, him? Auction. That'll be great to see. Um, but he picked, I gave him a lot of options, and he wanted to go there uh, as we tackle the first truly Holy action art film of the 21st century, Mad Max Fury Road.
1: Oh, my God. What a gift. What a gift.
0: I haven't rewatched since the theater.
1: Oh, I have. It's great. You have? Yes. It's it's really good. (laughs) It's a really good movie. Oh, my God. It's great. (sighs) Okay. Yeah, I'm very excited to watch that. Jesus.
0: I can't wait to watch it. And I'm gonna try and get sneak in a Road Warrior uh, if I can. Um, Would love to, would love to check that Mm. out. So that is next week on Escape Hatch. Welcome back, Ryan Condal.
1: Welcome back, Ryan Condal. Can we just do
0: some quick Hatch news?
1: Would you like to know more? Hatch news from
0: beyond. (laughs) Jason, uh, you know, they said, listen, once the writer's strike is over, yeah, the, the actor's strike, strike right right away. no
1: problem. <laughs> ah! Listen. <laughs> listen. If people, if people are still out here in this day and age making predictions about future events, couldn't be me.
0: Yeah. I, to me, the weird part is apparently at the last minute, they asked for a per subscriber cut. Yeah. Um, which is not something the writers asked for or the directors. Okay. So it's just That's surprising the that- that's the up. there's a whole new kind of class of negotiation. And apparently, because SAG is so much bigger right. than the Writers Guild, it's, that makes an extra level of difficulty. So, Dune, part two. <laughs> See you someday. <laughs> we stand with the union still. A- absolutely. Uh, yeah. But this is going to be a tough one,
1: it looks yeah. like. God, it's really stretching out there.
0: Ugh, yeah. I, I I don't I don't like it. I'm again it. I'm is again Tony it.
1: Gilroy back at back on the set at Andor? do we know what happened there?
0: I haven't seen any reports of that, but they only had like three weeks left or, or four weeks left when the strike started. Oh, is that true? So so maybe they're doing reshoots and stuff, but um but I don't have any reason to believe that they are still out <sighs> in the field. Yeah,
1: that's that's hanging out there. That's just hanging out there making me nervous. It's not at the type of my anxiety list right now, but it's it's really <laughs> out there
0: floating around there. Uh, so uh, we'll keep people posted uh, as we have more information. Just quickly, a couple of new Discord members, CTL, Gralian, that reminds me, autistic amnesty and I eat X. <laughs>
1: I thought you were having like some sort of episode in the middle because it sounded like you jumped into another sentence.
0: Yeah. Uh, my, my flow is all kind of wacky tonight.
1: Yeah, that's all right. That's all right. We'll see how we land. You get that supersonic flow.
0: <laughs> I have some new tools, Jason. I've, I've bought some new software uh, uh, based on feedback from our editor Megan, who graciously listened to the episode and gave me like the the brutal gave you notes the brutal notes. I asked her. I was like, please let me know anything oh, you think. Oh,
1: that's so nice. Yeah,
0: she's like, do you? What? Air? That's great. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I have repair software now uh, to get us where we need. Well, to
1: it's go. nice too that like she finally gets a chance to send you nodes.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh-huh? Uh-huh. It feels like a fair state of affairs.
0: Congratulations, Megan. All right. Well, are you ready to get into this movie? Let's go. Okay, here we go. To live and die in LA is a trip into the dark underbelly of a city where crime and corruption have run amok. Special Agent Richard Chance is a distinguished officer in the United States Secret Service, seamlessly transitioning between his assignments, one day protecting the President of the United States and the next busting petty credit card scammers on the mean streets of Compton. Addicted to the adrenaline rush his work provides, he's rocked when his partner is murdered in cold blood in pursuit of high-profile artist and suspected counterfeiter, Eric Masters. Swearing revenge by any means necessary, Chance will embark on a rampage across the city, aided by his new young partner, John Vukovic. Pitted against a deadly and competent adversary in a world where no one is what they seem, an increasingly desperate chance will take the law into his own hands and risk the lives of anyone in his wake in his quest for vengeance. Can he survive his mission without becoming the very thing he's hunting? Or will he fall destined to live and die in LA? Woo. This is a movie, man.
1: Yeah, they don't make these anymore. These they don't make. This This, this you're not going to see on television. This is a big deal. Um, It kind of feels like, at a high level, it sort of feels like, um, like sort of A24. It feels like sort of like a midsummer type thing uh, where, not like stylistically, but where you see that and you're just like, oh, like this is like. It's this is this kind of movie, you know? It's like what you're seeing, like, a you know, you're seeing, like, a very specific style that feels of a specific time mm-hmm. of filmmaking. And, like, this type of filmmaking is gone. We will not see it again.
0: Right, right. Um, that is definitely true. Did
1: you see, speaking of A24 and Midsommar, um, <laughs> that uh, Martin Scorsese said that the pacing of... Um, Killers of the Flower Moon is based on Ari Aster. He's like, I was inspired by Ari Aster's filmmaking. Wow. And like Midsummer in particular. Uh, like really inspired me how I wanted to, uh, how I wanted like the the feel of uh, of my movie to feel. Can you imagine if you're Ari Aster? <laughs> Like Martin Scorsese in the, in the twilight of his career Mm. is like on the way out being like, saw, saw this guy. He's really got, really had something to speak that spoke to me. My Lord.
0: Well, I remember, I think it was actually you that brought the point that there was like a, an article written by Scorsese on the DVD or the, or the 4k for Midsommar. So he is clearly a super fan. He's deep. Yeah.
1: That's great. Has- it does, yeah. Like, like silly says in chat, that makes me more excited. This, this might—I have obviously partaken my fair share of Scorsese slander, but I don't, <laughs> I don't doubt the man's pedigree. And like this, this one might really be, this one right—he might really have something with this one. He might have finally figured it out.
0: I'll see. Three and a half hours is pretty tough, um, but
1: people say it doesn't feel like
0: it. All right, oh, that's say all It good. doesn't feel like it. So, so just to jump back on track here, so you have no history with this film. Zero. You're aware of it. Uh, I've seen a poster. In, in, I had
1: heard the title. I couldn't, yeah. I wouldn't have guessed vaguely what it was about. Okay. I had no idea it was about counterfeiting. Didn't know William Dafoe was in it. Um, didn't know it was what a Homeboy surprise. from- What a great surprise. Yeah. Yeah. Didn't know Totoro was in it. Yeah. Didn't know, I didn't know it was a Friedkin movie. I know William Friedkin. I yeah. didn't know this was one of his. Yeah. Um, I know What's His Face from um, Manhunter. Right. Um which is like an all timer for me. Um, so here's the thing: but I
0: I don't think I've ever you thought seen, this was Manhunter. I don't think I've ever seen Manhunter, but I had the two of them kind of definitely inextricably yeah. linked in my mind. <laughs> they're, and it, they're very linked. It feels like they're very like they're very similar in a lot of ways. But um, so so my history with this film, I think it was like 1986 or 1987. I was at the house late at night, and I was flipping channels on the television. And I happened to flip over onto HBO where to live and die in LA was playing. And it was the scene with five minutes left when they're in the midst of making the bust. Oh, okay. (laughs) And I saw what happened and I was like, okay, well, I guess I don't need to watch this movie ever again.
1: Yeah. You're a big, you're a big (laughs) anti-spoilers person.
0: Yeah. So that was a little, that was a little tough. Um, but I have really wanted to do Friedkin on the pod. So we've got right. French Connection, The Exorcist, Sorcerer, Cruising, Jason, Al Pacino. Yeah, um, and then this, like this year, The Cane Mutiny Court Martial, which Slim was raving about uh, over on Letterbox this week. Um, mm-hmm. So quite a number
1: of good films. Quite a number of good films. Yeah, I, I don't love the ones I've seen. But I liked this one. So maybe I need to go back and revisit. Which ones did you see that you didn't like? I could take or leave Exorcist. Mm -hmm. Um, I could take. Never seen it. And and French Connection is one that I've slandered previously Mm. as being just like a little too. Like, you know, it's very proud of it's like, you know, sort of. Just finding a bunch of shit around, and you know, people running into stuff and whatever. I don't know. Mm. That one just doesn't speak to me super well. But um, I'm glad to revisit. Mm. I'm glad to revisit.
0: Good, and I, I'm very high looking forward to Sorcerer. We were talking to Greg about that. Uh, yes, coming back for Sorcerer. So I think that could be that could be quite good. Oh, great! All right, so let's do some quick behind the scenes. So this is based on the book by Gerald Petovich, Um, and Petevich was a former Secret Service agent, and he wrote mm. about the surreal nature of the job in a novel, a fictionalized novel. Um, and mm. Freakin specifically was fascinated by the idea that you go from protecting the POTUS in Beverly Hills and then on the streets pursuing counterfeiters uh, and right. money launderers and, and all that kind of stuff. So that idea of trying to, like, existing in both worlds is a really kind of crazy idea.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think that has become less true. because I mean, mm. yes, like the Secret Service is part of the Treasury Department and therefore, you know, like historically has done this counterfeiting stuff. But like there's the protect presidential protective division of the Secret Service. Mm. And I don't think those dudes like kind of go from, you know, jumping out of a motorcade to like doing busts. Um so since eighty five it's
0: changed a little bit.
1: I think, I mean, I, I'm not I'm not hundred percent on that. I don't know what the Secret Service was like in eighty mm-hmm. five. Um, but I don't think those guys kind of cross over um as much.
0: What was your experience working with Secret Service people?
1: I'm glad you asked. I was excited when this movie started again, not knowing anything about this movie. Yeah. When the first scene of this movie was a presidential motorcade, I was like, "All right, well, I know something (laughs) about this." (laughs) Like now we're talking my now we're talking my language. I've been in a presidential motorcade, um, and you know, I I'm I'm excited about I'm excited about what's gonna happen. The whole first thing is like a a, you know big secret service thing. But that
0: was a slow speed motorcade.
1: They were not driving very (laughs) fast. No, they weren't going very fast. The thing it was also too small. Like right. an actual at least like compared to contemporary standards. Yes. A presidential motorcade has like 20 more cars than we're seeing on screen. Like it's For just sure. like, you know, there's there's a presidential limo, there's a duplicate, there's a ton of chase cars, and then you get the entire envelope of like local police. So you've got like, you know, the stuff that's actually run by the Secret Service and then around that you've got this envelope of cars that's from Uh, you know, that's from like local law enforcement. The wildest thing about the presidential motorcade is that there's just no laws for the (laughs) presidential motorcade. Right. Because they just shut down, they shut down the route, right, for the president. And so like, if you're going to go from point A to point B and the quickest way is to go the wrong way on the freeway like that's what you're doing right and so it's just like a really wild feel when you're in the motorcade and you're just like going up the off-ramp you know because you like something tells you like this is not correct um but yeah it's great it's great you get there very fast no delays
0: did you do the wtf appearance
1: the wtf when, when no, Obama was there i did not do that one okay. no that was like right when i started i didn't go for that trip okay so you yeah, don't I'm have you sure don't have mark's number don't have Mark's number. No, I don't know Mark Maron. Sorry. Just checking. Um, Just checking. But yeah, like the other thing, what else I think about the Secret Service? You know, like they I they, the, they would never have unloaded him in the front like that. Oh right. They always right, like right, unload right. him in like a covered area. Smart. Um, yeah, they like drive into a parking garage and they unload him here and like they usually like take him through a freight elevator or something like that. They don't they wouldn't like unload out front. Um, unless you know there was no other choice for some reason,
0: and I guess it's more cinematic this way or whatever. But you would think actually yeah. you've got the actual Secret Service guy as the co-writer. Mm-hmm. Like you would think those details would all be correct. Yeah. Well. Yeah. It is this great start, and I was completely surprised. Um, and then also the notion that it was, um, that it was like actually Reagan. Um, so we yeah. we go straight to hearing Reagan's you know speech. I believe in spirit and substance.
3: Our tax system has come to be un-American. Death from taxes may be inevitable, but unjust taxes are not.
1: Yeah. It's like yeah, yeah. whatever,
3: dude. Get over yourself.
1: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: The like fundamentally the constitution and us leaving England wasn't about the marginal tax rate.
1: Correct? No, it wasn't. I mean, I don't think it was about the marginal tax rate. Like, the the, the, the taxes definitely seemed to figure into it. But representation was the key item, yes? I mean, look, actually, like, I will say, like, revolutionary politics is not my strong suit. Okay. I do think that they didn't want to pay those stamp taxes. I think that pissed them off. <laughs> I think they didn't want to pay that. Um, Yeah, I think there was something there. I don't think it was just, I don't think it was, I think if they were being represented without having to pay the taxes, they would have been more chill about it. Uh, um,
0: yeah. Anyway, for sure, that's my guess. Yeah. Well, you gotta be. You gotta pay some taxes. Uh, that that's definitely that's for sure. Um, so he emerges. Uh, you know, A- agent uh, agent Chance emerges, and he um, he's playing poker, and they say the big man is going to come down. Uh huh. Do you ever get to, you ever get to play poker with with?
1: Man, that is my that's my white whale. That's my white whale. That's is, your uh, white whale? Mhm. 3 years in this podcast.
0: Done, that's your white whale?
1: Is to play poker, poker with Obama. Yeah, I've never never played poker with Obama. Um and uh I would love to. Um <laughs> hasn't come up.
0: <laughs> uh, I thought it was cool uh that that Reagan would would play cards with those guys. But, yeah, that is cool. But yeah. he leaves the, the the room. He's immediate he's immediately suspicious and he basically sees an Iranian terrorist on the roof. Um so I mean, this was extra kind of frustrating this yeah. this week to watch. Yes. Uh, yes. And, and
1: the effect was wild. Like they used some sort of Death Star yeah. blowing up effect. <laughs> like it really does Joe cut to like was some. There. It really cuts to some sort of like. Let's blow this thing. and Go home.
0: Totally. <laughs> like, the, the accretion disk uh, coming yeah. coming off that guy. Uh, but his partner who pulled the guy off the roof and made him explode uh, drops the line.
3: I'm too old for this
0: shit.
1: I know. I put that in my notes too. Shane Black. Yeah. What is the, what I, it really did make me want to know what is the entire cinematic history of- I'm too old for this shit. I'm too old for this shit. What do you think it is? It's a good question.
0: I mean, Lethal Weapon 1 was two years after this. Um, after this. After okay. This. And I would believe Fine. that that Shane Black would have seen this film.
1: Yes. That is, it probably was an homage.
0: Uh, fair. Fair. That makes sense. And of course, Danny Glover was like 42 or something when he said that line. Yes. Congratulations. I'm like
1: five years old. <laughs> I'm five years old. Uh, five years too old for that one.
0: <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, last detail here, according to Friedkin, Petovic apparently said that there were unreported attempts on the president all the time. Okay. And that they would just shut him down and then just not talk about it not make a big deal about it, which is interesting.
1: That seems wild.
0: I don't know if that's still the case. Um, And then we go to the sound of the gun cocking and shooting. It's uh, Vukovich's gun. (laughs) And we have the credits. If these aren't
1: classic cocaine credits. (laughs) These are, these (laughs) credits are, the font is cocaine. Yes. It is great. Cocaine poured into
0: the molds to make those frost. It is great. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Pure cocaine made these credits. I, that was one of my notes, too. I was like, these are the most coked out credits. Someone really saw this, like, green, like, just eye-blinding credits. I was like, yes.
0: And the bullet shot that makes the palm tree is very cool. Yeah. Um, and, yeah. And, of course, we'll be talking a lot about it tonight, but this is the beginning of score by Wang Chung, who did the score for this film. And it's just a cool ass song. Um, mm-hmm. I really, I really like it. Um, and I love the credits too. Like, there's, um, there's a quick shot of, like, all these people passing counterfeiting money, so that you're establishing what's happening during some, right. some world building during the credits. But you also yeah. get a shot of um, Bianca. Um, yeah. At the end of the movie, you get a shot of Ruth. Um, yeah, and then we cut. I
1: like that because it's it sort of that part reminded me of like a video game. It reminded me of like um, GTA. Yeah, GTA, or I was thinking, um, what's the game? Uh, Cyber Cyberpunk twenty seventy seven mm. because it's like sort of like it's like you're seeing all of these like different factions, like these different like you know parts of the city, parts of the underbelly. Yeah, I definitely and like it's like telling you sort of it's like kind of signposting where the story's gonna go.
0: It's so that. grimy. Like L.A. Yeah, looks grimy. so grimy in '85. It, lo-
1: I, I, it looked. It looked. <laughs> it looks really unlivable. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's great. It seems great. It seems like they were really doing shit out there then.
0: It was tough. Um, so we have the end of the credits. We have Masters. So this is our boy, Willem Dafoe. And he's burning his artwork. Um, and so this is our first introduction to him. But then we immediately go to Chance standing on the Vincent Thomas Bridge. So this is, mm-hmm. this. most of this movie is like down near Long Beach, right? Uh,
1: I guess so. As I, I couldn't figure out where the beach was, my LA geography sucks.
0: I uh, I think so. Um, I think the Vic, Vincent Thomas Bridge is there, and then there's like all of the docks and stuff. Which I think the the I think Long Beach is the spot where they have that. Uh, okay. Where they have that down there. But my first thought was, is he about to jump?
1: Right. That's why. Yeah, yeah. 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 He's like he's too stressed out. This is a weird choice. Though, like he's a base jumper.
0: <laughs> In '85.
1: It's a very strange thing. They didn't have bungee back then, Jason. It's just a rope. What was he? It's just. <laughs> it's just gonna pull your leg, your femur out of its socket. Did not seem good. They must have had. They must have had some kind of stretchy system, right? It was not that. I mean, it can't just be a rope. It
0: was not that <laughs> stretchy. I'll tell you that. Uh, I was kind of surprised. What a
1: weird. What a weird thing. Yeah. What a weird thing to write into a movie. But there was a. And re- it, it's like reference like twice, yes. basically. Yep. Like, he's like, you, "Have you ever base jump, man?" Mm. It's great.
0: Uh huh. Uh huh. So Jim Hart, his partner, is retiring. Um, I looked it up. Michael Green, who played Jim, is one year younger than me um, when he filmed this. Mm. Um, but my notes just say never have a retirement party before your actual retirement.
1: What? Wait. What? You, how old was he when he 52. was? Fifty-two. Okay. All right. Yeah. This is the this is the classic like <laughs> Simpsons like you know the the live forever naming the boat live forever. <laughs> or whatever <laughs> um yeah it's great yeah he's just like ah nothing has, nothing bad's ever gonna happen i'm ready to hang it up boys let's go down to the nautical bar and tie some half hitches and see
0: you in three days we'll all
1: sail off to you like they're at like a longshoreman bar Summer, right yeah yeah yeah
0: i do love uh chance's football jersey with a scarf uh, and jeans, like yeah. the look is is definitely bold.
1: Real solid looks in this time.
0: Mm. And the cowboy, uh, the cowboy boots um, through the whole. Through, a lot of running in cowboy boots, which is pretty impressive. So we get now to the montage of masters printing money. This was yes. just
1: so. This is cool, sexy, right? Yeah, this I, this is wild because it basically evokes for me. Like a serial killer, like it, it, it to me, it like evokes, With like, sort of how you would expect, yeah, how you would expect a serial killer to be shot. Mm-hmm. Um, either like in Manhunter or like American Psycho, mm-hmm. like someone who's just being meticulous and kind of like sexually aroused yeah. by like their craft. Uh-huh. Um, And it just, like, it really, and it, and whatever he's doing seems fucking amazing. Like, all, like, he blows on the thing and the bills come out. Like, all that seemed great. Um, It looked really, it looked really great. Uh, Silly says in chat, it was modeled after a meticulous process that were, by someone who knew, like, how this would work.
0: No, no, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to go ahead and correct that. It was, it was not modeled after anything. Literally, an actual counterfeiter oh, good. who had been previously arrested for counterfeiting mm. did all of the work. Um, so every scene that you see that is not literally Willem Dafoe, it's an actual counterfeiter doing the moves. And also, apparently, Dafoe got good at doing it himself because just like Thief, mm. and again, this is more that Michael Mann, William Friedkin kind of simpatico vibe, um, he, got, he took it very seriously, the specifics of how to do it.
1: Um, This is how they financed the movie, was they just printed a bunch of funny money.
0: So they printed over $1 million of counterfeit money, um, but they produced all of it with three deliberate errors so they wouldn't be uh, used. The filmmakers burned most of it, but some of it leaked out. And ultimately, the son of a crew member tried to use some of the prop money to buy candy at a local store and was caught. At which point, within a week or two, the the Secret Service got a hold of Friedkin. The
1: real Secret Service showed up. <laughs> yes,
0: they got a hold of Friedkin um, who pushed back because they didn't have a warrant and they weren't willing to get a warrant. And he ended up taking the work print and screening it for them, and they were fine.
1: Wild. The 80s, you could do anything. Right? Yeah.
0: <laughs> Amazing. Um, all right, so from there, we cut over to, um, you know, we didn't say it at the beginning because we jumped straight into it, but this this whole thing of having the chirons with the date, December twentieth, fourteen ten. Yeah. December twenty second, eight ten. So we have Jim Hart checking out Masters' print shop, um, very cool. And you know he finds you know the bag in the dumpster that he, that uh, Eric had Masters had dropped there, but Masters' goon Jack gets the jump on him, <laughs> and Masters oh comes up.
4: Buddy, you're in the wrong place at the wrong time.
0: Ah! Mm. So, of course, Jack uh, was using a Mossberg 500 cruiser 12 gauge that was completely badass.
1: Mm. Right? Wait, is this shotgun talk? This is shotgun talk, absolutely.
4: Shotgun time.
1: Okay. <laughs> Uh, most
0: of the agents in the film were using Ithaca 37 shotguns, uh, but I like the pistol grip um, on the Mossberg. That's amazing. And Jack was a retired and highly decorated 29 year veteran of the LAPD.
1: Yes, he looks like he's ready to do some violence. <laughs> uh,
0: so now we get to the 24th, two days later, and we have Chance and the crew at Masters. The plant is long gone, right? All the gear, all the gear is gone. Another amazing crane shot of them outside. Um, Just some beautiful cinematography in this film. Mm -hmm. I want to give a shout out uh, to our man.
1: Who did it? Who did this cinematography?
0: DP, Robbie Mueller. Robbie Mueller. Who did Repo Man, Paris, Texas.
1: Oh, yeah. And
0: then he became Jarmusch's guy doing most everything, including Ghost Dog, um, Vem Vendors, Until the End of the World, and Jason... Never seen it. Twenty four hour party people.
1: Oh, I yeah, twenty four hour party people is amazing. That's such a good one. Yeah, you got to see that one. Should we do it? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. You got to see that one.
0: Who can we get to do twenty four hour party people?
1: Uh, twenty four hour. You want to get Moby? Would be good for that. Moby would be good. <laughs> we need like a good. We need like a rave DJ, basically.
0: Yes. All right, we'll get on it. Stay tuned, everybody. Um, so they find, uh, you know, they find the blood by the dumpster, um, and when Vukovic afterwards comes to see him on the beach, comes to see Chance on the beach, um, this is very interesting to me because Chance says, for some reason, Jimmy wanted to go out there alone. So that immediately put off my spidey sense, and I was like, wait a minute, was Jimmy somehow like hiding something or covering something? Is something going on? mm did you get any of that or that's just my paranoia?
1: No, I think you I mean I I think I I you know some people call it paranoia other people would say you're just in tune with your reality. You're just accurately <laughs> assessing threats at all times, ready ready to act.
0: I don't think I'm ready to get called up uh to the secret service, but you never you never can say. Um, uh, let's see. So Vukovic is now his partner. Um, we have the LAX right. bust of Carl Cody. So this is the entrance of, uh, yes,
1: this is good, right? This is a good sequence.
0: What do you think about being able to buy a ticket from Los Angeles to, that was what, uh, to San Francisco for $45?
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The whole thing, that whole thing was, well, I had a bunch of questions like, you know, one was you just like walk up to a counter and give, give someone a couple twenties. You get to go you on an airplane. Yeah, seems wild. Two is, they know he's given the counterfeit money, and they know where he's going. Right. Like, why chase? Right. Like, just like let him get on the plane. Yeah, and you can't get off, right. and then go arrest him. Right. Seems to <laughs> me. I don't know. I'm not a Secret Service agent, but like the the idea of chasing him through an airport checkpoint security and just like you know almost shooting a cop or getting shot by a cop because you're just like, I don't know, it felt like there was an easier way to handle it, but I don't know. I'm I'm not an expert in law enforcement.
0: It was cool, though, like running through uh, LAX, they were explicitly told they could not jump up on the top of the people mover and run, which he did anyways. (laughs) He did that without breaking stride. Um, And apparently Peterson was a college football player. um, And he's got an incredible physique in this film. Um, but yeah, really great.
1: Yeah. What is the deal with Peterson, man? What is this guy? I feel like he should have been, he feels like he should have been a a real guy. Like it feels like he should have broken out.
0: Launch his agent into the sun. (laughs) Right. What happened? Between this and Manhunter back to back, which I haven't even seen Manhunter, but he should have been on the trajectory for late eighties.
1: His performance is so like you know, folks in chat point out that he he has this run on CSI, so he but that he doesn't start till two thousand three. I know, but I, he he should have like he really should have been like a like a you know a done a bunch of a, a done a bunch of like police movies or a bunch of action movies. Like he's so good. Mm. There's a scene in Manhunter where it's towards the very end where he figures out. um like like how the killer is doing, how the killer is surveilling these houses. And he's looking at two home videos side by side of the two families. Mm. And he's like, and the whole a recurring gimmick in the movie is that he's he's putting himself in the place of the killer mm. so he can like understand the killer's motivations. And he's looking at the two videos and he's just doing this thing back and forth was like, he knows it's the Jacobi's cat. He knows... He knows that's a dog. Doggy doesn't have a collar, but he knows that's a dog. You know that's the Jacoby's cat. Haven't you, my man? Don't you, my man. He's doing this whole thing and it's so good. It's so good. Wow. he should have been. A, he should have been one of these heroes. He should have been. He should have been out there. Like,
0: why wasn't he, Justice for Peterson? Why wasn't he getting roles that Harrison Ford was getting?
1: Exactly. Yeah, Kurt, Kurt Russell. Kurt,
0: yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, yeah.
1: Justice for Peterson.
0: Al Pacino, like he.
1: he He's yeah. Like, what if what if William Peterson is the devil in the <laughs> <laughs> in Devil's Advocate? <laughs> I don't know if I can go all the way there,
0: but I think, you know, if he had been the bad guy in uh, Inception uh, or um, Insomnia, like I could I could have seen something like that. He definitely just basically missed his whole, his, his whole career that he should have had. And obviously then went on to do over 200, like 250 episodes of CSI, so.
1: Silly says there's no role that he can think of that he'd swap Peterson for, and that might be true, but I will say he would have been credible in Blade Runner. Like he he that is the type of role that he could have done. He could have done Deckard. Um and it would have it would have been believable. This
0: would have to have been after that though. Like that that was 3 years before this. I'm talking about like what happened in 87, 88, 89. Th- those are the years when he should have been breaking right. out. Um right. and something terrible happened. So I'm I'm definitely pissed about that.
1: You know what would have been good? You know another one that he would be good as is like um like the uh Christian Slater role in Interview with a Vampire or something like that. Maybe. The the interviewer role.
0: I think that's, I think he's too young. I like, why wasn't he in Usual Suspects? Like, mm. that's, that's what I'm saying. Like, get Kevin Spacey's mm. out of here. Uh, you know, and let's, let's.
1: He'd be a good Coen Brothers actor too, I feel. Totally. I feel like he'd be like a good, I feel like he'd be getting that.
0: All right. I think we solved it. Um, okay. Get, fire that guy into the sun. What a, what a loser. <laughs> cool.
1: Um.
0: So this notion of once Command
1: Dursky says, I could have played Deckard. Get me the trench coat. It's ninety-five percent of the character. <laughs> <laughs> listen, this is why people who are listening to this podcast need to join our Discord. You, it will increase your confidence to believe that you could do anything if you join. If you join the Escape Edge Discord,
0: confidence is high. Um, so I love Torturo. Really fun to see Torturo as a young guy. And so he's in lockup, and Masters literally comes and visits him in lockup and is talking business, um, which now, obviously, all of those recording, all that is recorded. You have no no privacy when you talk to somebody there. But Masters asks him.
3: How are you making it?
0: Like
2: every other swinging dick in this place makes it day
1: by motherfucking day. Yeah, it's a great
2: line. <laughs>
0: um, and freaking said that it was 100% Totoro, the accent, the look, like the whole the whole deal. Um,
1: yeah, it's really good, Totoro's great in this. Terrific. He's really good.
0: Very good. Yeah. Um, so we do get the hint that uh, Waxman was a guy that he was supposed to drop off the money with and Waxman says he didn't make it. And so now we don't know who's telling the truth. Um, but we do get just a quick visit with Grimes. This is our first appearance for Dean Stockwell.
1: Dean. Dr. Huey. Playing maybe the straightest like part he's ever had in cinema. Mm-hmm. Like, There's nothing weird about this guy at all. <laughs> he's a businessman. Hey, very normal. <laughs> there's nothing weird. There's no weird eyeball thing. There's no. no weird voice inflection thing. He's just, yeah, I'm a lawyer. I did I notice
0: that him. a lot of his stuff was ADR'd. Um, actually, a lot of this movie was ADR'd in general, but- um, interesting. I was I was surprised by that. So we cut from there to Max and Bianca at the club. So Jason, the kabuki makeup,
1: the dancers. I love this. This music. This is great. Right? This again, big blade runner vibe, right? Yes. I mean like it really, it really does feel like,
0: <laughs> like you know. Taffy Lewis is around. Here.
1: Yeah, Taffy Lewis's joint. <laughs> the man is dry. <laughs>
0: Uh, But then he, Masters goes in and he starts talking to Bianca. So it's establishing, they're sharing all the information. Like she is asking questions and, you know, um, she is all up in the mix on the business. And then he, they just start making out and he just like pulls her top down and starts like going to town while the uh, other Mm -hmm. dancer watches. I was like, whoa, Mm -hmm. all right, freewheeling.
1: This is like one of these things in this movie. It's like, I don't know if it's the 80s or I don't know what's going on. But like when he started making out with her, I thought that was a dude at first. I thought he was making out with the dude, and I was like, "Of course, this is gonna be like a like I, I was a like different. immediately concerned. Yeah. I'm like, I'm like, I don't think this movie is going to handle queer issues very well. <laughs> uh, like, let's let's everyone hold on tight. Um, and I do think they're cute. I do think he's co. I do think there's a lot of stuff that's coded as queer in this movie. Mm-hmm. That is. Um, kind of just sprinkled around like it's just sort of like you know it's kind of just like you know I don't think there's a natural a real intent to it um but stylistically I like this club I like the way I like the way these folks look in this club it seems like a fun place
0: I agree and just the music's really cool uh yeah so that goes that goes a long way uh to making it awesome so now they go to the Waxman stakeout. So Waxman is a lawyer somewhere out in the valley or something. Um, and so they're in position, Vukovic and and Chance. And we have the priest.
3: Can I bring you something else? Uh, no, thanks, Father.
0: Is actually Rainer Fettig, who was the painter who did all of Master's artwork uh, in the film. Oh, okay. He was the real-life right. real painter. Um But Bianca comes in to Waxman and she makes the deal with him, then she seduces him. um, And then Masters comes in and the music is very intense. It's the beginning of like the synth, like falling thing that they do a lot uh, in the film. Um, And then Masters just shoots him in the dick. um, Yeah. Which I thought was.
1: Shoots him right in the dick. (laughs)
0: <laughs> I like that a lot, um, but it was just—I
1: don't know—it was great. Um, it, was, it was his apartment time. looks cool too. Very. It reminded me. It reminded me kind of of like the um, the apartment from the end of Boogie Nights, mm-hmm. where he's like, you know, he's like shooting the gun, like uh, as they listen to as they listen to the music and do cocaine. Yeah. Um, it kind of. It kind of had that vibe to it. Totally.
0: This. This did strike me as. Um, unlike Heat with Man, where they literally didn't use any sets, this felt very much mm-hmm. like a set to me. Um, right, And I thought, to me, that cheapened this a little bit. I, I would have liked mm. it to have a little more verite um, to it, but it was still still good. Um, when, when he wakes up on the couch, Chance wakes up on the couch, said he was not on shift. Vukovic was supposed to be responsible. What a
1: son of a bitch, my, what the hell? My
0: Spidey sense go off and I'm like, Vukovic, He's in fell, fell asleep. That's why, you know.
1: Uh, oh, so he's he in on it.
0: Yeah, he's in on it, right? Um, which yeah. we'll figure out. We'll keep discussing that as we go through the film because I think it's an interesting uh, element
1: mm-hmm. here. Wrinkle?
0: Yeah. Um, but Chance lifts evidence from the scene that's going to completely unlock the case. And Vukovic is really pissed. So I love this. Chance says to him, Does this mean that you won't carry your weight if something goes down? Look, what I'm saying
3: is we could have got shit can for this little trick. If you expect me to take the heat, you should tell me about it before you do it. If I'd asked you, what would you have said? I'd have said that the cops probably would have let us copy the diary after it was booked into evidence.
4: Well, I wouldn't have done it if I was with somebody I didn't trust. Look, I'm no snitch. Mm hmm.
0: So I think Vukovic does a good job of standing up.
1: Yeah, he does. Indeed. Yeah, he stands up. I like that. I like this guy. I like this actor. This is He's asked to do a lot in this.
0: Yes. He was like, so I only knew him from Mad About You. Mm-hmm. Um, which I can't remember. It's like somewhere, ra- like I watched that show a lot in the early mm-hmm. '90s, um, so it's all rattling around in there somewhere. Have
1: we talked about Have we talked about Masters Ferrari yet? No. Oh my god, I love this car. This is a great thing. Is it about a black? A black?
0: Three hundred eight. What is it?
1: It's a three hundred eight. Yeah. It's a, this is like like all the all the great like cocaine Ferrari talk. Yeah, all the great cocaine 80s movies have an amazing supercar in them somewhere for no reason. Mm. Um, I love it. It looks awesome. The car looks great.
0: God, remember The Hidden?
1: Yeah, The (laughs) Hidden (laughs) had amazing
0: cars. (laughs) Oh, man, dream come true. All right, so now we get to another one of the most interesting characters in the film, and that is Ruth, who is Chance's informant. So he literally just goes in there. Um, he starts taking his clothes off uh, and throws yeah. her his t shirt. And they have what I consider to be a pretty amazing sex scene here. And apparently, Friedkin told them where he was going to set up the camera and then just said, You guys decide what you're going to do. The only direction he gave them was, quote, surprise me. Um, and I just thought it was, it was, I mean, it was very full frontal, you know, verite, but I thought quite good.
1: Yeah. It was a full frontal verite.
0: (laughs) But there's a lot of of development there, like his kind of control and not being very interested in anything that she might have to say or or whatever I thought was important.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: Um, But as soon as the sex scene is over, it immediately cuts to business.
3: How much do I get for the information I gave you on Waxman? no rest, no money.
4: It's my fault he's dead. It took me 6 months to get next to him. I've got expenses, you know.
3: Guess what? Uncle Sam don't give a shit about your expenses. You want bread, fuck a baker.
2: Fuck
4: a baker. That
1: whatever's when they, you know when like they wrote down, you want bread, fuck a baker. There was like, they high five. Oh, yes. Like, it was like, it was like, yeah, this is, this is, we've got it. We're we're cooking with gas right now. Absolutely. Uh, Put up some more lines. But
0: she's afraid. And she says, you know, someday some guy I set up is going to snuff me. And then the immediate next scene, I wanted to ask Dave about this. The immediate scene is a second scene in a row where she says she might get killed. Um, Mm -hmm. And so she's worried about it. That felt inelegant to me.
1: The women are not given a lot to do in Mm. this movie. (laughs) They're mostly endangered.
0: I think that's right, but also there's some femme fatale shit going on, Um, I think. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I think Ruth is is definitely playing some games. I see. We have chasing the credit card guys uh, down the streets. Man, why are you chasing me? Why are you running? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, why are you chasing me? Why are you running? It's so funny. (laughs) Uh but let's see. Uh, we have the like the artist guy in the wheelchair who gives the tip about where the printing plant might be down past the train tracks. There's a Chinese character on it um, and we get that haunting score again. Love it mm-hmm. instantly. The
1: score is really good and does a lot, has to carry a lot of this movie.
0: Definitely. Definitely.
1: I'm looking. I'm. I, I. I had to look up what car it was, and so now I've got a lot of Ferrari 308 auctions being advertised to me. <laughs> <laughs> They're surprisingly affordable. I'll just say that for eighty-five. Yeah. Hmm. Mm.
0: I wonder, like, how much it needs to be restored, whatnot, whatnot.
1: Yeah, I don't. I and I. I also can't drive stick, so it's what? not super. It's not super. Okay. Useful for me. Let's move on. Yeah, I can't drive stick. <laughs> Uh, so
0: Masters buys a hit on Cody in prison for 75000 in 20s. Yeah,
1: it's a good bar. I like the scene where they bargain the price of the hit.
0: It seemed high to me, 75000 for a low-level uh, guy in prison.
1: Yeah, in, in that time, it does seem high, I agree.
0: But apparently, in the yard at San Luis Obispo Prison, where they filmed this, they shot mm-hmm. all of this with real prisoners. Okay. No actors, and according to Friedkin- he, Turturro, and Peterson challenged some guys to a three-on-three and one.
1: A three-on-three what?
0: Basketball.
1: Basketball? Oh, okay.
0: <laughs> it seems surprising to me.
1: I like that Taturo like, kind of picks up that he's going to get got. Yeah. And, like, is like, fuck that. Yeah. Like, and, like, I, I like that. I really like that because it's, like, sort of surprising coming from, like, Turturro and, like, also, like – um just like from this character, you'd expect this character to kind of just be like, you know, whatever, mm. um, easily, easily, easily Coward. done up. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Yeah, but it's, so this is interesting. So he ends up arrested and he's in an interrogation room and you know, chance comes in, he refuses to roll on master, um, which I was surprised. Um, but, so writer's question again, I had for Dave. So Cody's in his interrogation cell but when mm-hmm. Chance walks in, he has a headshot of Claudia Leith. Oh, okay. And do you remember this?
1: No, I missed this.
0: And so he says, "Oh, who's that? An actress?" or he says, "Pretty girl. Is that an actress?" Um and then uh Cody puts it away and they move on. And I had to like go Google like why did they have a picture of Claudia Leith and it turned out that it, she's the girlfriend that later he finds you know, that's where he finds Cody in her apartment. So this was literally them having to shoehorn how he would have been able to figure that out. And I think.
1: Okay. Okay. Very poorly. All right. Yeah. That's pretty corny. This was. This was- I wasn't concerned about the plot. <laughs> Details. I, I just like, at the, at the, I, like it felt like such like a vibe, like the movie that like the idea that like I was going to have to pay attention to some kind of facts seemed. Okay. Not- secondary. Yeah, it didn't seem like what this movie was asking of me, but All right. I appreciate that you were like on alert <laughs> and like ready, ready to not be fooled
0: as per usual.
1: Uh, you approached this like it was tenant.
0: Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Diagrams. Uh, yeah. So, so Masters goes to Jeff's house to get back his money since the hit didn't work out, and we have this great yeah. fight. Um, and they end up taking these guys out and just this whole scene of naked money burning like Defoe Mm -hmm. naked. He just likes to be naked. I think Mm -hmm. this is like a recurring, a recurring theme for him. Some people do. Mm. Um, when chance goes to take Cody out of prison so that he can find masters, the judge refuses. So I was like, Oh, this judge is dirty. Yeah. I don't know.
1: Yeah. I don't (laughs) The whole system's rigged. (laughs)
0: But did you buy the Totoro could beat up William Peterson?
1: No. <laughs> I didn't. It was
0: completely boring. The one for me is oh, he like does he the double. The drop of,
1: he does a yeah. double
0: head slap, what my father would call a bofetasso, where you do both hands to hit the ears. Bofetasso? <laughs> bofetasso, yeah. As opposed to bofetone is a single single hand.
1: Wow. So. Is that- is that Dominican martial arts? I
0: think it's probably Three Stooges, but uh, okay. somewhere. <laughs> okay, in those veins. So. But I didn't see the tasso coming.
2: Yeah. <sighs> unfamiliar <laughs> with. I'm
1: unfamiliar with the, the bofa school of martial arts. <laughs> I'll try and find
0: out the the, the yeah whatever the entomology of bofetaso. So I think I know
1: that. I think I know that the etymology of bofa. <laughs> is it what is it?
0: <laughs> oh, sorry. sorry. <laughs> Moving on. Moving <laughs> on. All right. So, <laughs> so, my notes just say shit. Vukovic is dirty. Okay. So he's meeting with Grimes.
1: Right. He's meeting with Grimes. But yeah. then
0: Grimes is like, you want me to roll on my client? Let me sit.
1: Yeah, I didn't interpret that as I think it's like, oh, he just knows this guy. He's like, well, like, what should I do? Yeah.
0: I just I found that confusing. Uh. Yeah. But so he sets up the meeting. They go in to meet with them. Masters is like excellent at interrogating their cover story. He's like poking holes and everything.
1: This is at the gym. At the right? gym,
0: yeah. Now
1: this is this. <laughs> It's a wild bit of filmmaking. It's like seven minutes, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's the whole thing where they're getting changed. And again, like, it seems like people just want to be naked in this movie. Yes. Just looking to hang some steak, like in the the locker room. (laughs) Um, And then like this gym is like got a very specific vibe. It just like, it's just like very, um, I don't know. Like, it's like the whole thing is just strange. Uh, like, it's just like, it's just like they like the, like it just, you could smell this gym and it's, it didn't, mm. smell, it didn't smell good. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. It felt like I thought they were going to be going to play squash or something of like course. that. Like I thought it was going to be like one of those type of meetings, Yeah. but instead it's like, they're going to do like preacher curls or something. Yeah. And I don't know. It just didn't seem, it just didn't seem, it wasn't what I was expecting. The whole vibe in this gym was weird.
0: So I do like. Getting to see Defoe, um, I love the fact that he's super competent. Like even by the time they're getting undressed, Bianca has already tossed their car. She's like gone through the stuff. She's taken notes. She knows what's happening. Um, And then he is tough with them as well. You know, he asked for 15%. I don't
3: negotiate.
1: I might if I knew you, but I don't. And I don't know what I see. I don't negotiate. Yeah. It's dope. Fair enough. Yeah, he's bad. He knows he knows they're he knows they're bad, but he still goes along with it.
0: He doesn't give a fuck, seemingly.
1: Yeah, he should be more careful.
0: Yeah. So he wants 30k up front, which the chief will not give to them. No way I can get you 30k to make a buy. You'd hear him laughing all the way from Washington. Shit. You recognize him, Jason, of course.
1: No, who's the chief?
0: Robert Downey Sr. Oh. Robert senior. Yeah. That's great. I don't know what else he, yeah. I've definitely seen him in other stuff but uh yeah. but I thought he was fun. Uh he was fun in here. So, if you can't get the 30,000 you need, um you just take you steal it. Ruth's pitch of uh robbing, you know, a diamond guy that's coming into town. Mm-hmm. Um and Vukovic refuses. He says, "My father was a cop. My brother's a cop. You're asking me to do oh, something give me to a against break. my look.
1: You got the wrong guy, okay? You got the wrong guy. Yeah,
3: you're right. I got the wrong guy, pal. You ain't my partner. Yeah. You ain't even my fucking friend. In fact, let me give you a piece of advice. You better get your ass into protection, baby, because you ain't shit on the street. You understand that? You ain't got the nuts. Kiss my ass.
1: This is when, when unfortunately, you're going to hear this speech a second time when we (laughs) break up. Um, When our podcast partnership Comes here's to how i will know. It's like, you ain't my partner, you ain't my friend. <laughs> you ain't got the nuts, you pussy motherfucker. <laughs> okay, that's gonna be the end of the last, the last recording of Escape Hatch. We'll conclude with that as
0: you jump into your 308 and pull off. <laughs> as I
1: jump and, like,
2: and stall and like the car, stall it out. <laughs> <laughs> One more thing, there's a lot of. There's a lot of hills. Yeah. A lot of hills
1: in San Francisco. It's really hard. <laughs> oh,
0: my God. Uh, so Chance goes to the club. We have Dance Hall Days. I was very stoked to hear this song. Great song. Uh, mm-hmm. Really, really fun. And so we have this scene of him interviewing Ruth, his confidential informant in the middle of a strip club. <laughs> Listen. What the fuck?
1: You do business where you have to.
0: He does not care about her safety no. at all.
1: No, mm. not concerned.
0: He's going to cut her into five thousand when he robs uh, when he robs the diamond guys. So now we have January twenty fourth, sixteen oh five, and this is where the music gets going. And so they grab Ling and they toss him in the car and they're driving. Okay, so this now is we're here. this is wake up, stop dreaming, um, and the tension is just building. And stuff like all of the diegetic sound goes away, and you just have Mm -hmm. like Bukovic's breathing. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, he is starting to lose it uh, as stuff is going on. I just, I loved all of this.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's good. This is a good chase for sure.
0: But how many FBI guys did they have? And they (laughs) They had like, they had 500 spread out
1: (laughs) all over the city.
0: So those guys have their M16s in position while the guys are getting Ling to give them the money. Ling at no point says, listen, guys. I, op- FBI. I'm FB- exactly. <laughs> he doesn't say shit. Um, but the FBI guys shooting, they
1: shoot their own guy. Listen. <laughs> They're not very good. Yeah, no, I mean, this was a bad, this whole thing was a bad operation for sure. Yeah. Mm. Um, Luckily, they have literally 500 dudes spread out all through the L.A. River ready to intercept.
0: Well, so, yeah, so this gets us into the car chase. So, of course, as most folks know, the French Connection famously has one of the greatest car Mm -hmm. chases in history. And um,
1: people love that.
0: Friedkin specifically said that he wasn't trying to do a car chase. He wasn't trying to outdo um,
1: French Connection. French
0: Connection, yeah. but, um,
1: but He just felt it, felt the movie needed it.
0: Yeah, so it's the first thing that I thought in watching this. They took six weeks to do this. Um, the driving—it's so visceral. The closest analog for me was Ronin. Like it just really felt that same kind of high-speed, tight corners uh, vibe. It's
1: a really good one. It's a really good one, and it does take us back to the um, the LA River where we've we've frequently enjoyed watching movies on this podcast.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. But after they're you know completely. <laughs> you know blocked at the LA river freaking was like well no one's ever gone the wrong way on a freeway before so let's do that so this was it yeah this was the first time
1: yeah, yeah. that's uh, great
0: unbelievable get out of
1: the way I like it when people yeah. wave in the windshield when they're doing something insane
0: <laughs> at cars that are coming at them at, six, yeah. at 60 miles an hour yeah. Uh, so the, after all of the, and this is just a, a long, beautiful car chase. It's like eight or nine minutes, whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's so good. And at the end, they finally escape as the radio announcer said, there was a minor tie-up on the North Long Beach. A couple of cars yeah. have tangled. A very simple affair with no injuries involved. Shouldn't cost you more than a couple of minutes if you're on the yeah.
1: 710. <laughs> so funny. It felt like just like a fun LA joke.
0: Yeah, a scathing indictment of 1980s traffic in Los Angeles. Yeah. Mm brutal. Vukovic is losing it. Um, so again, this actor is doing an incredible job. Chance is stoked when he was driving the wrong way on traffic. He had the cut to the base jumping scene.
1: Yes. He was feeling it. Mm-hmm. He is like, he's on his adrenaline high,
0: but when he goes to Ruth's house he, and she asks how it went, he said, like clockwork.
1: <laughs> I think base jumping is just like a stand in for him doing cocaine. In this movie, I think it's just like, I feel it's like he's not really base jumping anywhere. I feel it's just like they wanted it to be about cocaine and they're like, all right, base, base jumping. He's free base jumping, if you know what I mean.
0: Yeah, that makes more sense. Mm. He would have been friends with Vincent Hanna for sure. Um, yeah, exactly. Um, so they find out the next day that Ling was an FBI agent who was, quote, Tough news. kidnapped and murdered. Jason, the FBI Tough was misses. like, hey, somebody kidnapped and shot our guy.
1: Yeah, do you guys know anyone who might have done that
0: with an M, with an M sixteen? <laughs> that was a <laughs> that was a wild one. Um, but so Chance he goes to make the buy. Um, so right. Vukovich goes to Grimes, who says that he needs to flip on Chance, but he won't. Right. Um, he won't. So they can't do that to his partner. Yeah, and so they're on for tonight. Like, let's go do it. Um, Masters, he knows it's gonna happen tonight. He has a present for Bianca, which is the other girl on the couch looking very sensual. Um, and now we go to January 30th, 05 15 09 010, 11. So like now it's in real time. That was very. Right. that was very cool. It was cool. Yeah. Um, and we have the deal and we have the bust. So I finally caught up to my 17 year old self watching this movie on HBO as the lead actor. I knew he was the lead actor in the movie. I hadn't seen anything about it, but just to watch him take a shotgun blast to the face.
4: Freeze it up, pal. Jesus Christ.
0: Was surprising.
1: Very surprising. A real Ned Stark situation.
0: Yeah, and he is dead. Yeah,
1: he's real dead. Yeah, there's no coming back from that one. Yeah. That that ex-cop actor. Got him good.
0: Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. And he got the first shot. He got a free shot against that guy and missed and then took a shotgun to the face.
1: Burrito's revenge.
0: Not great. Not great. So Masters escapes and John Vukovic is chasing him. The red color of the dawn, that shot of the sun coming up was unreal. This
1: becomes like sort of a descent into hell situation. Big time. Where it's like the, the movie's like kind of like, it's no longer even in reality. It's like a- confrontation with an elemental evil.
0: Yeah, and the score...
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Because that falling is so intense. Everyone's unmoored.
1: Yeah, Yeah.
0: god damn. Um, So he follows him into uh, the warehouse, which has been emptied out, uh, or has been torched, I should say. And Master said, why didn't you take the deal Grimes offered you? yeah um, and he hits him and then vukovic shoots him and he burns uh he burns yeah it's pretty tough
1: it really becomes like sort of like a yeah like not a horror film per se but it be, it's like so it's so like over the time it becomes like carrie it I is guess. like
0: a horror film yeah
1: yeah yeah
0: scary so then it it stops on a dime and you have Bianca and Grimes. She's taking the sex tapes. She has the paintings somewhere that he made for her. She's taking the Ferrari um, with yeah. her new girlfriend. So this is a real femme fatale sitch. Like, could she mm-hmm. like set up somebody else to be her next Eric Masters?
1: Mm-hmm. She's going, she's, she's leaving with all the stuff. Mm. the car.
0: And then Vukovic heads over to Ruth. And he's pressing her to get the money that uh, that was left with her. Um, And she says she spent
3: it. And and he's like, come on, don't shine me on. If you're going to start by bullshitting me, we're going to get off to a very bad relationship. What are you talking about? You're working for me now. You
0: You work work for me now. You work for me now. Yeah. Yeah. And that final shot where the music flips with a shot of chance. Very yeah. dark,
1: very dark. Yeah, it's like it's confusing. Oh. It's like I guess like yeah, like Vukovic is like now nah, like all right, like I got no choice. I'm in this like new, in deep new relationship. Yeah, I'm in deep. Credits. I gotta make it work. Yeah, dude, that's yeah. brutal. Yeah.
0: So, the credits play out. Um, the song, the song is amazing. Um, you know, I, I just like I'm lo- I'm loving it all the way through. And then as you get to the end of the credits and the music fades, you get this last shot again of chance.
1: Oh, I didn't make it there. Oh yeah. The
0: yeah. No Samuel I didn't L. Jackson. Know there was a
1: post-credits but- post-credit stinger.
0: Yeah, it was the same. It was, it was literally like that same shot, but it was just like in case you missed I'm it.
1: Forming a new group <laughs> of counterfeiters.
0: Dead counterfeiters.
1: <laughs> Dead ghost counterfeiters.
0: <laughs> uh Jason, who would Tilda Swinton play?
1: I think she would play the Ferrari 308. I think she would be an amazing. Like <laughs> a, like, sport like a kit car. a
0: kit situation. Yeah. Michael,
1: <laughs> yeah. Um, I think I'd love to see Tilda as a car. We haven't seen that yet. It's new. Um, it would be new, <laughs> it would be new for this season seven.
0: Uh, I would like to see her as Grimes. I'd like to see her, uh, you know, kind of like driving driving stuff. Um as the lawyer yeah. as the lawyer pulling stuff. Just completely, mm-hmm. you know, calculated and uh and unhinged in that way.
1: She'd be good as that. Mm. She'd be good as that. I like it. We did it, dude. We did it. To live and die in LA. A very interesting movie. It's a it's a type of it's a a branch of cinema I do not often traffic in, but is adjacent to things I deeply love. So I'm grateful to have seen it. I feel I know a little bit more. I think I'm gonna put I think I'm gonna put
0: Manhunter there. and Sorcerer both on. Like Rob wanted to come back uh for either one of those. Um so between him and Greg, I think we should
1: Manhunter is really good. Yeah. Brian Cox is Hannibal Lecter, it turns out slaps. Um, so something to look forward to. I'm into it. Sorcerer everyone loves. I haven't seen. Mm. Okay. I thought it was when Slim brought it up the first time on one of the pods we did together, I thought it was like a Movie about actual sorcerers. <laughs> I was like, "Oh, I like wizards." He was like, "No, it's not, that's not the that <laughs> movie." Um, yes,
0: I've died to see that as well. All right, here are a few letters. Let's go. The
1: truth sayer.
2: Hey, Alberia here. This is my first time seeing "To Live and Die in L.A." But I, of course, knew William Peterson from his most famous role, Gil Grissom, on the hit crime show, CSI. Here's three implausible plot summaries from CSI. Two are completely made up. One actually aired on CBS. Time for the truth saying. TSI? Truth saying investigations? Let me workshop on that a little bit. (laughs) Number one, freaky farm fiasco. CSI, Grissom versus the Cluck Conspiracy. A farmer's murder inside a coop of genius chickens has Grissom scratching his head. Can what? he solve the poultry puzzle before these feathery masterminds get away with murder? What? Or is it number two? Clowning around with death, CSI. Grissom unmasks sinister circus secrets. A clown's murder under the big top leaves Grissom juggling rival clown troops, pranks gone wrong, and a sulfuric surprise. Can he crack the case behind this deadly jest? Or is it number three, CSI, fantastic vampires on the loose. Grissom's on the hunt for bloodsuckers when a high school vampire enthusiast turns up dead. Join the investigation as he unravels the mysteries of vampire love triangles in a gruesome case of bloodlust. Okay, which one of those was a real episode of CSI? Oh, wow. Oh, my God. I'm going with number three. I mean,
1: the chicken one cannot be real. The chicken one, Thingling is voting for the chicken one. You want to take it chat. just in case? I'm not taking it. I'm not being duped. <laughs> I'm going to go with the clown one. I think the. Okay. I think the... I think the vampire one is the lure away from the clown one, which is okay. which is more
2: plausible. And the chicken one is just patently ridiculous. All right, here we go. Let's find out. Okay, truth-saying investigators. Yeah, I still need to workshop that. Which one was a CSI real episode? It was number three, Suckers, the Vampire Love and Murder Story. Yes. The episode plays out with more implausibility <laughs> than any episode of what we do in the shadow. No. Seriously, the murderer collects blood in a Tupperware to save for later. Although I do think the blood bar in the episode could probably be realized in Las Vegas and be quite a success. <clears> oh no. <clears throat> Here ends the truth saying.
1: <laughs>
0: oh no. Oh boy. Beria, you got us. Uh, or you got Jason at least. I, I think I'm getting, yeah, I'm, getting you got me. I'm getting your number. Uh, finally I'm, I'm on the I'm on the path.
4: All right, here is our next voicemail. Hello, Escape Hatch. It's Kev here. Before we get down to business, I just want to give a shout out to your guest, Dave Mandel. Dave, I just finished Veep for the first time. And look, picking up the torch from Armando Iannucci is an impossible task. I don't envy anybody who would have to do it. And I think that you did an absolutely tremendous job of helping that show cross the finish line with some really really funny stuff so congratulations and thank you for that really enjoyed your years on Veep. kev's question the late william friedkins to live or die in la is a movie that you cannot stream anywhere now there are ways of streaming it but for our purposes you can't pay for it right you can't rent it you can't buy it no voodoo youtube apple tv you could buy it on 4k and before that shout factory came out with a blu-ray as well But you you can't stream it, is my point. Kev's question, is there a movie that is missing from streaming that you would love to see make a comeback? I have one. Uh, This is not a great movie by any means, but a movie that means a lot to me because of when I saw it and how I saw it. Quentin Tarantino on Robert Rodriguez's Grindhouse. Now, Mm. Planet Terror and Death Proof, the two movies in Grindhouse, are available to stream. I think Planet Terror is on Tubi right now. H, calm down. It's okay. Mm. But- you can't stream that anywhere. So my pick would be Grindhouse movies that you haven't seen in years that you'd love to see again. The DVDs that you hold close. What would you like to stream? Thanks, guys. Oh. Peace and love.
2: Once again, it's
1: Kev's questions. I never saw that. I never saw that Grindhouse Planet Terror. It was. Uh,
0: it was cool. I mean, it's fun for what it was doing, but it's like t- yeah. it, Like it was definitely like. We're making bad movies. Wink, wink. Yeah. They're bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, And so that's a problem in my mind. I can
1: see why Kev liked it. Um, I was thinking about this when we were talking about Clue, which I'm sure is available on streaming. But, like, I don't know if it's available in, like, I don't know if people remember that, like, when Clue was in the movie theater... Like you had to choose which ending, there were three endings, and you could go to the A, B, or C ending for Clue, um, depending on like, I don't know, just what you wanted to pick. Like there was Clue A, B, or C, and you would just like go see it, and you didn't know which the way it would end, and if you wanted to see it again. Um, mm. So anyway, uh, I don't know how they do that on streaming. I think they just play one ending after the next, I guess. But I'm not sure if that's what happens. Um, so that's my answer huh. or clue for for this movie.
0: I don't have an answer for this. Like I, I can't think of anything that I really wanna see that, that I can't get to.
1: Fingling mm, confirms is just one after the other, which is not the real it's not the true intent.
0: I guess maybe like, I guess uh,
1: how about this? Yeah. How
0: about this? I'll take the spice diver edit uh is not streaming.
1: The spice I've ever had. It's not streaming. Let's do the David
0: Lynch. Let's do the the David Lynch cut. How about that? Let's get the mm. real David Lynch cut. You know, definitive. Um, that's not streaming.
1: I was really surprised that this movie wasn't available streaming. It's always wild. Me too. To find out what you can't, uh, what you can't see.
0: I was, I was shocked. Speaking of shocked.
1: Thank you, cool. Kev. Ah!
3: Hey, Hey, this is Corey from Austin, Texas, calling about 1985 to live and die in L.A. I'm so bummed I did not get to rewatch this movie. I haven't seen it since I was, I don't even know, on cable. So maybe maybe in the 90s. I probably revisited it at one point, but I don't remember this movie very well. So I'm really bummed because I know, I just know in my heart of hearts I love it. I remember liking it, but I don't remember any specifics. So this will be a short one for me. Surprise, surprise. Um. I can't wait to hear you guys talk about it. And then I have to find a copy so I can watch this thing. I love Freakin'. Um, I really, really love uh, uh, William Peterson. That dude's awesome. Um, he was in a lot of cool shit, especially his work with Michael Mann, obviously. All right. Uh, I'll see you in a super brief. I can't wait to hear the episode. Who would tilt the fit and play? I don't know. Um, I could put her in the Peterson role. She, I'm sure it's really intense. <laughs> All right. Bye, you guys. Talk to you next week.
1: Corey, this, this, this seems like a Corey joint. This, this like kind of like that club, the Kabuki makeup club.
3: Oh yeah. Corey,
1: Corey would love that. I wish he could go to that place.
0: Well, Slim had called out the King of New York as being a potential Corey mm. movie, but I'm also thinking yeah. like there should be some Abel Ferrara movies that we could watch that would also be very much in his the King of
1: New York. I've never seen also. We're like, there's a, this, this is where I'm saying there's this like kind of end of Grimey. The, Mhm, the griminess I don't know that well. Yeah. I don't live in the grime.
0: Well, we could do it. I'm
1: a I'm a I'm a good boy.
0: All right. Well, yeah, squeaky clean. Well, we made it,
1: Jason. What do you have to plug? Uh, I am on the last boss fight of Baldur's <laughs> Gate 3. I am on the very last fight. Uh, I'm very excited about it. Um, I have 118.6 hours on this playthrough. Aren't you OP? Um, like
0: can't you just waltz through? Yes
1: yeah oh. it's not very hard oh so you're honestly. holding it off but
0: you're like waiting
1: i'm like i'm like yeah i'm i'm i, I just haven't had a lot of time but like um <laughs> yeah i'm very excited to see whatever ending i have earned um from from this playthrough and i kind of already want to play it again wow so i think it's going to be one of those games that's hard to hard to move on from
0: that is sick yeah <laughs> That's sick what like yeah uh, do you have a plan is there anything that's like slotted
1: up you know, I'm interested, like, Starfield, I sort of started and, like, quickly was like, eh. Um, and then there was this huge cyberpunk update. Like, basically, they finished the game. Um, mm. And I kind of, it looks great. And so I kind of thought about going back and playing that. But I don't know if it's, like, I should start over now that it's, like, been out. Now they've had all this stuff or what. So there's both of both of those. But I kind of think I'm just going to play Baldur's Gate again. Um <laughs> Like, with a different character. Because, like, the first act is just so good. Um, I played it. I started playing on the PlayStation just to um, uh, just to kind of see what the PlayStation version was like. And, like, it's so fun to play, like, the early part of the game where you don't have that many abilities and you're not overpowered. And it's, like, you have relatively few, like, ways of doing things. And you just have to be really careful versus, like, in, you know, this latter half, even against, like, the bosses and stuff. You're just like, ah, chain lightning. Chain Lightning. Is it, How about Chain Lightning? <laughs> Is it out for Xbox? Don't know, but probably because okay. it's like a Windows game.
0: All right, so I could play it. I could potentially be playing it on my Xbox. Yeah, you
1: play it. I think so.
0: Ooh, all right. I'll take it under advisement. I'm, right now, I'm just buying, you know, editing software and mastering software. Yeah, and like that's that's my fun
1: times. Well, it's paying off. You're getting there. You're you're in the big leagues now. <laughs> that's it. We did it. We did it, Joe. And that's
0: it for this episode of Escape Hatch. I want to thank Jason for an unreal conversation. Next week, we're joined by the showrunner of Max's Game of Thrones, House of the Dragon, Ryan Condal. We tackle one of the sacred texts, Mad Max Fury Road. Don't miss it. If you're enjoying the show, we need your help. Take a minute to leave us a five-star rating and a review wherever you listen to your podcast or just tell your friends about us because it really does help new listeners find the show. We also have a Discord server where you can hang out with us online whenever you want. And a Patreon where you can support us and unlock exclusive perks. Links are in the show notes. Escape Hatch is a tape deck podcast, John, a production of H Industries. Our artwork is by Catcher and our theme music was composed by Scott Fritz and Who's the Boss Music. The episode was edited and produced by me, H. Thanks for listening. We'll see everybody next week.
3: Hey, McBain, you keep eating them hotlings, You're never gonna make it to a pension. Come on, live a little, Scoy. <laughs> no, thank you. Got me a future, partner. I'm two days away from retirement. My daughter's graduating from college. Little Susie's going up. And as soon as we nail Mendoza, my old lady and I are gonna sail around the world like we always wanted. We just christened a boat. Oh, yes, sir. Everything's gonna be just perfect. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, damn, damn, damn. hey Yes? I'm not gonna make it. Oh, stop talking crazy. No, 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 no. Just do one thing for me. Get Mendoza.
2: Mendoza!